1: Everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe and Davindra, my usual co-host, is out this week uh, on paternity leave. And joining me to be a guest co-host is one of my favorites, even though I am loath to admit, Matt Smith, our UK bureau chief. Matt, how's it going?
0: Uh, I'm going good. I'm, I'm just here to kind of prove that Davindra's old news and I'm here to replace him. Oh. You know what you need in tech podcasting? You need more white men. And that's what I oh, am. Oh, God. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, boy. Now I'm regretting my decision. Anyway, today we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we have Twitter had a really busy week, and we our, our poor senior editor, Carissa Bell, has been just, just having the best time, I'm very sure. Um, and she'll be joining us this episode to talk all about that. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Uh, we also live stream the recording of this podcast Thursdays Thursday mornings at about 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel, and we can talk to you directly there. So come join us. It'll be fun. All right. So this week has been insane. I feel like for for just Twitter alone. Uh, Elon Musk is now on the board and then we're getting an edit button at last. Uh, Our senior reporter, senior editor, uh, Carissa Bell has been covering Twitter for us uh, and she's here today to kind of help us Tell us how her week's been, really, Carissa. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So yeah, no, I mean, do you want to tell us what what kind of kicked things off with the whole the whole drama around Twitter?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look back, it really started a few weeks ago when Elon Musk was like started kind of cryptically tweeting as he does about
1: mm-hmm.
2: Twitter and social media platforms, and like, do we, you know, should I make my own? Um, And it turns out that, you know, at that time that he was actually buying up a large amount of Twitter shares. And then we, um, you know, we woke up one morning and Twitter and uh, Elon Musk owns 9.2% of the company, uh, which is
1: more than Jack Dorsey, I believe. Wow. I didn't, I mean, I knew he was the largest shareholder and like, I, I wasn't expecting it. I know like Elon lives on Twitter, basically, it seems like, right? But then like... For him to be quietly buying up shares is like, is this something that s- someone else maybe could have? done? You know, what I mean, like, w- did he you think have to have like talked to people to get this sorted, or he just was like just slowly buying shares through his fidelity? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, my my understanding is that you know to to buy that and the amount of shares that he did in that period of time, um, you know, it's it's quite intentional and it means that he was by, like, on any given day, like, a fairly large percentage of whatever the trading volume of Twitter was that day. So he was mm-hmm. clearly, you know, trying really hard to to make this happen in a relatively quick period, um, from from what it seems.
1: So it wasn't, like, a spur-of-the-moment thing for him. Um, and, and so when, when that news popped, what was your immediate reaction? Like, did you immediately think, well, he's going to control Twitter now? I mean, like, with so much that
2: Elon Musk does, I think, you know, you never know quite what to think. It's never really clear exactly whether he's doing something you know to make a meme out of something if he's doing something (laughs) as a joke if he's actually like serious and he decides that like you know social media now is like his you know his next big thing i don't sure you know i think it maybe it can be like a little bit of all of those things um the the easiest answer is because he can and he decided he wanted to and he's has billions of dollars and you know that was a negligible amount of money that he spent um you get us all talking about it.
0: Yeah, I think like Elon Musk, once he's interested in something, he's more than willing to throw money at it, right? Whether that's SpaceX or Tesla or, you know, when it comes to kind of the, the more sillier things they've done. Do you remember the, do you remember the flamethrower uh, they launched and things like that? Like so there's spectacle, there's statement th- plays, there's power plays, there's the kind of the, psycholo- the psychology of it all. But, you know, Twitter is a hobby for him. So why not, you know, spend money on your hobby? He just does it in a very different scale to the rest of us.
1: Yeah, I I want to talk about like what Twitter sort of with Elon's influence looks like in a little bit, right? But the timeline of events, Carissa, so short, I don't know how long after it was, but quite quickly after it was announced, he became a board member of Twitter, right? Yes, Uh, I believe that was on on Tuesday, I believe. And... The poll actually came... uh,
2: before that, when um, okay. it was announced that he, you know, he had this big stake and he tweeted this poll and then the CEO, the current CEO of Twitter um, retweeted it and was like, oh, this will have big consequences. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the poll record.
0: I mean, to add color to that as well, like the poll itself had a misspelled yes and no, both was misspelled. So it's like, <laughs> it's a joke, right? It's a funny ha-ha. And then, you know, the Twitter CEO, um, Agrawal, retweeted it saying, this has this may have consequences which is even more confusing now because they're actually, well, we're going to get onto that, but yeah, you know, it is are right, exactly.
1: exactly. Carissa, right. Did you think that that retweet was actually like had any credibility to it coming?
2: No, because, you know, people have always been talking about, um, should Twitter have an edit button? Twitter should have an edit button. Of course, Twitter should have, you know, this has just been like an ongoing thing for, you know, Twitter's entire existence, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it was it also very jokey from, from Musk. So, um, no, I did not think that, you know, Twitter was then going <laughs> to announce that they are actually making an edit button. That was, <laughs>
1: I, yes.
2: that was the big reveal for all of us, I think.
1: Tell me, so, so tell us about like when that happened and like, what's that going to look like, uh, with that edit button situation?
2: Yeah. So we, I mean, there's still a lot we don't know. They said that they've, mm. they've been working on it for more than a year. Um, it was not because of Elon Musk. Um, sure. And, you know, they're going to test it first with Twitter Blue, which is, you know, the subscription service where they they test some new features first. And they haven't – they told us, you know, they're thinking through all these different scenarios about um, how it could be misused, how it could lead to misinformation, et cetera. But, you know, um, we saw a little mock-up with something that said edit, tweet, but we have not – you know, we don't have details on, like, the mechanics of how it will actually work or, you know, really what this means.
1: Right, like whether, you know, there will be a change log of tweets as to like, you know, after they're published and then edited, will we know how it was changed and that sort of thing. Matt, are you the sort of person that would pay for the privilege of getting an edit button on Twitter?
0: This is funny because I was just asking the people following along on the YouTube stream who pays for Twitter yeah. Blue. I mean, uh, Carissa, are you a Twitter Blue member? I am. Oh, Ooh, fancy. Yeah, yeah, fancy. <laughs> I do. How do you feel? I remember reading your story about it uh, like ages ago, but how does it feel now being a Twitter Blue? Do you feel the benefit?
2: Um, I mean, I mostly got it because I was a big fan of Nuzzle, that that news app that Twitter bought and then it it died and then they they brought it back within Twitter Blue. So that was kind of my main motivation initially. Although, you know, right now they have Undo Tweet, which is, you know, the closest thing we have to edit right now, which has been kind of saved me in a few on a few occasions, um, but, you know, definitely feel more um, like, you know, uh, vindicated that now that I'm going to be, no, I'm going to be getting that edit button first. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I, mean, I'd like the, I mean, the rumors of things like TweetDeck coming to Twitter, Blue. I use TweetDeck as my kind of Twitter inf- interface of choice. And the idea of maybe if that got a standalone app through Twitter Blue or was just kind of, you know, integrated and, you know, more proactively upgraded might, I don't know. If Twitter Blue was yeah. reasonably priced enough, I might jump in. But yeah, the edit button is a good kind of like power move. Like, oh no, I, yeah. I'm serious with my social media. I can edit what I say. Yeah.
1: So 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 now that we sort of know an edit button is for sure on the way, at least to some members, what's like the work Like, how do we think this could go wrong? Because I feel like this, we've talked about this before. Um, and without the right like change logs or like checks and balances in place, People could I think uh ruined it, it was on the live stream. Uh, chat was saying that, oh, you can embed twi- tweet and then like change what it means later on and someone else could have embedded your tweet and then it might look different later on. Uh, Carissa, has Twitter, you know, shown any indication that is aware of this?
2: Yeah, I mean they definitely have. One of their um, you know, uh, product people, as soon as Twitter, you know, tweeted out that they were working on Edit Button, you know, he kind of came in with his own thread and he said, you know, we're thinking through these things, we know that this is a concern. He didn't go so far as to say exactly how they they plan to address this. You know, people have different thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned the change changelog. Um, Facebook CTO also kind of jumped in at one point and said, yeah, Facebook solved this years ago. All you do is you just oh. make a change log, and it's fine. Um, you know, Twitter is a different platform. It you know, works a little differently. So I think there is definitely some more nuance there because, yeah, it is definitely a concern if – somebody tweets something and it goes viral Then they completely change it you know twitter is already known for misinformation harassment yeah. you know all these really serious issues and this just kind of adds another layer to to all of those things so they're gonna have to figure out a way around it for sure
1: Matt, was your most nefarious idea for using this edit button? <laughs>
0: so in the tradition of being a media type that uses social media, I was thinking this could definitely be utilized into a kind of cryptic novel thing. If there was a change log, you oh. could just change the tweet and kind of, for the people willing to kind of watch it develop, they could ha- you could have like a oh. narrative stretched along a single tweet. I mean, someone's going to do this and do it way better than I ever possibly could. But I think there's like... There's some creative latitude if this kind of comes off, but I feel like a changelog is so necessary and something that we'll get to, like uh, the fact that they've kind of already started changing how old tweets look. Um, Mm -hmm. That kind of ties all into it. So they need to figure out a kind of a clear solution for it that everyone can understand. Also, they might be just handicapping themselves if... You're unable to kind of reference ancient tweets then people will just stop linking out to twitter they will just mm. copy and paste the text in or i remember like i don't know a year and a half ago when um i don't know no longer than that buzzfeed would often embed like funny tweets and stuff yes. and they'd often yes. die a death but they had just started doing yeah. screenshots of them like jpegs without any right. of the twitter embeds and that kind of gets around it but then you can also fake those as well so there's no easy answer
1: Basically, the internet is, is tricky and can be very easily manipulated. And we all have to be extra careful. Like, media literacy just got a new chapter, kind of, right? Like, Ooh. on the subject, on the workbook. Oh. Oh, hot take! I'm going to pitch this. And we're writing, writing it up. I, uh, <laughs> a, yeah. On the sidelines, ahead, by man. the way, I was just checking. Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, I can't join Twitter Blue because I'm British and it's not launched in the UK. Canada, Australia, New Zealand were there before us, which I found outrageous. But yeah, so I still have to wait my turn for Twitter Blue, I'm afraid.
1: It's okay. I'll buy it for you on your Thanks. behalf. I'll, I'll be Thanks. blue for you.
0: Right. It's okay. Sure. <laughs> That's a different meaning in the UK, but we'll get to that later.
1: Oh, boy. Karissa, um, there were other stuff happening in Twitter, like in the Twitterverse sort of this week, right? I think Twitter made some more announcements. Um, did any of these stand out to you? Um, yeah, they made some changes to
2: their their policy around uh, Ukraine. Uh, so Twitter actually changed their their policy to um, prohibit government accounts, uh, like official government accounts, from tweeting photos of prisoners of war. And you know they did that because you know there's been a lot of discussion since you know kind of this since we start we first started seeing those photos uh, of you know uh, Russian soldiers you know circulating around that you know this is against the Geneva Convention and that you know there should probably be some some thought into whether this is something that. Uh, the platforms you know like twitter should be allowing so they said you know we're we're not going to allow that acceptance you know with some cases when there's like a exceeding public interest um mm-hmm. and then the other change was that they said that they're going to stop essentially they're going to stop recommending uh official russian government accounts as well and like searches um and timeline and re- like all the recommendations they're basically trying to like demote them they're not um You know, they're not, like, blocking them or preventing them from using Twitter, but they're going to try to, like, suppress their reach. And the rationale that they use for that is kind of interesting. They said that they're not going to recommend government accounts when they're engaged in, like, an armed interstate conflict. And they're also Mm -hmm. suppressing information locally, which is, like, kind of a very complicated policy rationale. But, you know, it seems like they were trying to come up with something um, that I guess could, in theory, be applied in other contexts. I think right now it's Mm. pretty... uh, clearly aimed at uh, Russian government accounts, which have been uh, spreading misinformation on, on Twitter
1: for quite a while. Jeez. I mean, uh, that's we can talk about that policy and, and, and whether or not it's applied the right way. I think that's like a huge conversation that we probably don't have the time to go into right now. Um, but I'm glad Twitter is thinking about about its impact, right, on people during this time, during the war. And I don't know, Matt, do you have any thoughts?
0: No, like like you say, it's, it's a particularly tricky right. topic. And um, what uh, what's I find intriguing on the UK side is um, there's been like, you know, the kind of people that once had a political career who are now pundits on like uh, news shows and stuff. So there's a guy called George Galloway in the UK. He's a former MP, Member of Parliament. And uh, he's been tagged uh, by Twitter as uh, Russia State Affiliated Media because he has like a kind of show on RT. Um, And so he's like responded saying, dear Twitter support. I'm reading out his tweet here. Dear Twitter support, I am not Russian state affiliated media. I work for no hashtag Russian media. I have 400,000 followers. I'm the leader of a British political party, not a main one at all. I spent nearly 30 years in the British Parliament. If you do not remove this designation, I will take legal action. He also tweeted at Elon Musk and is just kind of flying off the handle. But the idea is that, yeah, you've been taking money most likely from RT, which is a wing of this government. Therefore. I would say you are Russia state-affiliated media, however, which way you cut it, unless he's been giving zero money whatsoever. But yeah, this, this kind of thing is now spreading beyond the kind of just RT themselves as to kind of, you know, the other actors who are kind of, you know, one, one degree away from these things. So it's kind of fascinating to see how Twitter is trying to tackle misinformation.
1: Carissa and I had a like sort of brief conversation on Slack in the middle of like a very busy day. I'm sure for her, where I was like, "Do you think this would apply just to like media outlet accounts or you know the journalists associated with them as well?" Right. So it's like Twitter has a lot to think about because sure they can ban media outlet accounts. Like the Engadget official account can be you know banned for saying something, but I could filled with misinformation.
0: Totally, like that
1: account. No. Hey, if you're following us, thank you. Um, there are some really great ideas in the YouTube live chat about how to like, how to, how Twitter can think about applying or, or setting up the edit function. Um, I think, uh, first of all, Hattrius, uh Lim says not a Musk fanboy nor a hater, but having an edit button is good in their opinion. Um, I, I love the idea that you're not either a Musk fanboy or a hater. And I want to get to that in a little bit because the other day I was, in a in an uber and the 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 driver and i had a very deep conversation about elon musk and that's not a conversation i was expecting to have late at night in a new york uh, city cab but um ruin dig in the chat also said if the embed if someone embeds an edited tweet it should have some sort of visual cue that it was an edited tweet like a pencil symbol on the top right corner or something like that um i mean i think these are all great ways to show it right like but I think Twitter has more to think about than just like how it should be graphically presented. I think also they have to think about how it works with screen readers, maybe, right? Like how would someone who's visually impaired get understand that this is an edited tweet from just listening to it? I don't know. What I other think considerations it kind of might be? Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, it kind of goes beyond already what they're doing because you, you already have the problem with Twitter of people kind of retweeting or sharing ancient tweets from, you know, absolute mm-hmm. years ago with people assuming they're up to date because no one reads the timestamp. I'm you know that's already part of the tweet, but people hey, don't pay yeah. attention to these final these fine details, so they have to kind of explicitly sh- be showing and representing that you know this information that you might have seen somewhere might have been presented at a different time with different content, and I think that's really tricky to do
1: chris if we if you had to make an educated guess, when if would you we were see twitter boss? The, I know <laughs> if you when would we see this edit button roll out you think um I mean they are the coming
2: months, you know that can mean anything I think. You know, um, if Twitter tends to take a long time to, to do things. So, um, you know, I would I would think it might be summer before before we actually see some some version of this. And I think, you know, the reason is, you know, what you guys were just talking about, like there's just so many different scenarios to think through. I mean, there's a reason why Twitter has been around 16 years now and they've never had this is, you know, because it's it's really complicated.
1: If it's been a year in the making, it's like you have had time, you know, to think about this and to see how it would work. Right. I I don't believe that.
2: believe that they've been talking about it for a year. Maybe a year ago they decided they wanted to do something. But, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, even for Twitter, it does not take a year to, to, you know, more than a year to build a, a single feature
1: necessarily. So... Exactly. You just have to think through things like, should I allow, you know, the users to back edit stuff? I'm sure, Matt, there's something in your history you like to edit or, or something. Oh, I have
0: I have a bot that deletes <laughs> my tweets after three months. I'm not an idiot.
1: Excellent. Yeah. That's, that's the way to do it, I guess. That is the way um, to do
0: it. Can't be trusted trusted with my own opinions. So let's just keep cleaning. Scrub scrub the account as soon as possible.
1: I I want you to scrub all your accounts. Uh, On a grander scheme, though, uh, Ben, our podcast producer, brought up a good point that, like, do people, like, how many people in the world are actually, like, active Twitter users to the point where this news actually makes any sort of difference, right? I do think that, like, yes, uh, a very active Twitter community is somewhat small. Um, but given a Elon Musk being an investor or board member now and his own like large group large fan base, um, I don't know how much of them are already on Twitter and would now maybe like be even more invested in in signing up for Twitter. But also, even if there's like in pure numbers, not a huge number of people on Twitter. I personally feel like things that happen on Twitter, the way information and misinformation spreads on something like Twitter has a huge impact on how we see the world, right? Does that feel like, it, it as an observation, does that track for you, Carissa?
2: It does. And, you know, like, the, the thing is, is that Twitter spent so long tying themselves to this idea of, like, being the public record. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is why, like, they didn't want, you know, Jack Dorsey even said a few years ago, this is why he didn't want tweets to be editable, because... Um, you know, government officials and, like, so many important, like, cultural moments, like, play out on Twitter. You know, this was especially yeah. true when, when Trump was president and he would just, like, make policy via Twitter. Um, you know, but even before then, it's, like, all these, like, these big moments and, like, people people announce things, people um, have, you know, celebrities say stuff and, like, it just turns, <laughs> you know, it's, like, so much of part of, like, kind of what happens and what we pay attention to and, like, Twitter is, like, the way that A lot of reporters like track how people are reacting to things and people's response and like tweets are in news articles, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, it was always kind of like once it was out there, it was there. So, um, you know, this is a really kind of, yeah, it it could if they do it wrong, you know, it could really change, you know, our, our, you know, our perception of Twitter in a way, I think. Matthew, agree?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I think Carissa said it better than I could. <laughs> I, I just think yeah, there's there's a lot here to be a. I don't know. I yeah. I have nothing.
1: No, you're fine. Nothing, no way better I, I, to say it. Yeah. Carissa, th- this does a really good job of covering all of this for us, and I feel so bad for you. But uh, again, since you're the expert, <laughs> is there anything we should be looking out for? We should be concerned about with all of this happening.
2: Um, I think we just want to watch, you know, kind of again, like how they how they do it, and sort of if they actually are, you know, taking in people's people's feedback into consideration, um, you know, and there is like some, I think, reason to to be positive about that. We've seen Twitter in the past, you know, like on for example, on some accessibility issues where they put out a mm-hmm. feature, and then you know the, the public was like, hey, this is not accessible. This is this is a big problem, and then they, you know, yeah. they quickly started trying to address it. So. Um you know, I think it's it's there's reason to believe that they're going to be serious about you know kind of doing this thoughtfully, but you know again, it's also with Twitter and you know there's always unintended consequences so um yeah, I just think it's gonna be really interesting
1: would that change with with Elon as a board member you know like are they gonna be more risk taking risk averse with him?
2: I mean it's hard to know um mm. you know you obviously have you know a certain amount of influence. As a board member, you know, Twitter also just, they just fended off a, a takeover, you know, from a uh, not too long ago from a company called Elliott Management. And, you know, they're, that group is no longer part of the board, but Twitter is still held to, you know, go, some pretty aggressive growth goals that were set for them um, as mm-hmm. part of that arrangement. So, you know, Twitter kind of has, you know, they're under a lot of pressure right now. I definitely think, you know, um it's it's going to be interesting those when you know that to see kind of how or if like musk is able to kind of influence him or if this is just kind of like something he's doing on a lark i mean it seems like yeah he does really care about um speech and, and open platforms and stuff so oh gosh, you know yeah. i'm sure he's going to um you know try to try to leave his mark in some way but i think we just it's I, I don't want to get into the predicting what Elon Musk is going to do game. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah that's impossible that to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, if anyone listening or watching, you have any thoughts uh, about how Twitter should implement this edit button, uh, you, I mean, you should send it to Twitter. But you can also feel free to send us your thoughts at Uh Matt, did you have anything to add before we let Carissa go?
0: Uh, yeah, one one thing, while, while Chris is here for sure, I'd love to hear opinions yeah. on uh, Jack Dorsey's uh, comments on Twitter over the weekend. He said how he yes, regretted, exactly. he'd kind of regretted what Twitter did. Well, it's more broad than Twitter, but uh, yeah, he tweeted over the weekend saying, the days of Usenet, IRC, the web, even email with PGP were amazing. Centralizing discovery and identity into corporations really damaged the internet, said the millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I realize I'm partially to blame and regret it. And this is Dorsey just kind of admitting that you know when the internet grew up, it wasn't all you know it wasn't all for the greater good, um, which we all mm-hmm. knew already for sure. But to have millionaire Jack Dorsey saying it is kind of I don't know interesting. And this came just be up just ahead of all this other absolute chaos right before, that happened yeah. With Twitter. Yeah, and I wonder if it was timely. I, I, I don't know. Like every, all these things kind of stacking together makes me a bit suspicious as to
1: like do you think he knew what, do you think Oh he knew yeah what happened knew.
0: first. I mean yeah which which one yeah. of these things kind of got the ball rolling for sure.
2: I think it's you know, Dorsey is obviously, you know, he he's really jumped onto this kind of web three bandwagon. He's very into, you know, crypto and decentralization. Mm-hmm. He you know he's spearheading this kind of separate project called Blue Sky to sort of make a decentralized Twitter protocol. Um mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's just you know my my personal opinion is that it's a little disingenuous. I think um, you know when he says like, "Oh, I regret my role," and I, he kind of acts like he didn't know what was happening. What you was know, saying, yeah. I think I think we've seen this from Zuckerberg too with his whole like pivot to the metaverse. They're like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, we accidentally like broke the internet, but don't worry, we're building like a new internet that's
0: and democracy. Don't forget breaking democracy. Yeah.
2: So you know, I think it's it's fine, I guess, to acknowledge that, like, maybe you did the wrong thing or you would do it differently now, but um, I just, you know, him, he's, you know, the saying that he kind of, you know, doesn't like it being centralized to all these companies, you know, that was like his mission for, you know, a long time when he was running Twitter, Um, and even when he wasn't, he certainly was not um, out there. Preaching the gospel of decentralization. So, yeah, I think he's just kind of like, it's, you know, this is the current fad and he's trying to, you know, make himself, I
1: think he's, you know. Distance himself a bit? Yeah. Too bad he he can't really do all that much about it now or can he? Who knows? Uh- <laughs>
0: Buy some more thanks shares. Thanks for joining
1: us, by the way, Carissa. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe he could. They could start a share buying war. I would love to see them throw money at Twitter. Um, sure. But Carissa, thanks again for. I hope you have an easier week next week. I actually pray that for you every week. Um, but where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Carissa
2: B. Where I'll be tweeting about edit buttons and hopefully not Elon
1: Musk tweets. <laughs> yes thank you i i will be following your change log very closely <laughs> so moving on outside of the twitter world this week other fun stuff was happening at least i think it looked like fun matt you had a chance to check out peloton's new guide it's like a camera to check your form uh during a workout right yeah. uh, what did you think of it
0: so what I thought was, why am I working out at 5 p.m. in the evening? Um, That's me all the time. <laughs> yeah, so for those that don't know, Peloton Guide is like their latest piece of hardware, and it's not a bike. It's not a rowing machine, which many people want. It's not a treadmill. It's a Kinect. Well, it's not a Kinect, but it looks like a set-top <laughs> camera. It looks a lot like yes. the Facebook Portal TV. Um, it's just a, v- a very simple 12-megapixel camera sensor, in fact. So there's no LiDAR. There's no infrared. And the Pelican algorithms... Uh, the Peloton algorithms are able to kind of monitor your movement and see if you're doing what the instructors say you should be doing. Um, so, yeah, I went to this fancy London hotel. They had like a suite set up with a big old TV and the Peloton guide. And I sweated it out for about, I don't know, 40 minutes. Um, and yeah, so this is, you know, the classes are very Pelotony. Like um, they've got uh, bodyweight exercises. This is all more aimed towards strength training. So it's a little bit different. To their usual customer, um, so there's strength training, there's a uh, core, and these are these are the kind of uh, classes that will use this new technology inside the guide. Uh, the camera kind of it's got one of those kind of very wide angled lenses, like the, uh, like the Portal TV does, and then like Portal TV or the most recent uh, Apple uh, iOS and ipad devices it can kind of smart track you and keep you in frame mm. i'm using my fingers and i know this is a podcast but yeah it like can center keep you, stage right <laughs> yeah like center stage yeah it'll keep you in frame while you're working out and it's wide enough that it'll capture you know the yoga mat and you know when you're stood up all in one neat shot so you know that's all very well Accomplished, But it's not that hard to accomplish either in 2022. Um, yeah, but the smart part comes from the ability for the camera to kind of watch how you're doing the exercises and make sure you're kind of following form to the letter. So the algorithms are making sure, say, your hip isn't dipping... Or, you know, you're attracting your shoulders when you're doing like a, a reverse fly, because I know what that is. Um, and yeah, lots of other exercises. And um, one thing I like about Peloton and one of the criticisms of Apple Fitness, like as a good comparison, is Apple Fitness Plus is very kind of stripped down to the point where if you don't know what's going on, you're completely lost and at sea. With Peloton, before really? you kind of mm. kick, I find, when with mm-hmm. Peloton, when you jump into the class, it will literally kind of, preface exactly the parts of your body that it's going to hit and the exercises that class is made up on so if you're not quite sure what a hammer curl is and wondered how that's different to a bicep curl you can kind of clarify that for yourself before you get into the workout and I feel like with a lot of workout stuff when you're not one-on-one with a trainer or you know an experienced gym goer that's the kind of stuff you just want to know you just want to feel confident doing the exercise before the exercises kick off.
1: Yes, exactly. You and I, you and I had a a fun forty five minute workout session recently. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. trainers helping us out. That's the idea, I think, behind the Peloton guide. Is that like it? it sort of it doesn't fully replace an in person trainer that would you know look at your form. But as we all were locked in for a little bit, we we sort of had to find ways to go about this. And the Peloton guide seemed like I think born from you know the move towards home fitness gear and having people, you know, stay away from having to interact with other people. And so I don't know how effective you felt it was on this. I mean, I'm getting one in to just test out for myself. Uh, there is another device out there that is uh, going to do something similar or actually already does, which is called uh, the Tempo. Um, Tempo has like its, its uh, own version that uses an iPhone camera with LiDAR, therefore, um, to kind of... Do the same, track your forms. see if you're doing your reps right. We also tested out like a Samsung camera that would do something like that, like this. Um, last CES. So I feel like this is something people want to do. I'm curious to see how much better edit than Peloton is like what, the See, so I think,
0: yeah, is. I think it was. it's still a little bit too mild. It's a bit too gentle and it's right. not specific enough. Mm-hmm. Like you're not actually getting actionable changes. So when me and Sherlin did this uh, HIIT class a few weeks ago, you know, the coaches could say, OK, bring your shoulder blades back and they can kind of correct exactly what you were doing wrong. Here, it, the onus is on you to kind of figure out why you weren't getting the kind of movement points in, in comparison to the instructor um and i put this in my story you can read the whole the whole sorry episode of me doing exercise on the side. but um the good thing about the camera is it's constantly looking at you and constantly checking your form the bad thing is it's not telling you how to improve the form it just tells you it's very you know very digital you're either doing it right or mm-hmm. you're not um mm-hmm. so those are the two differences really between like an in-person training session and at this point Pelot- the peloton guide and the strength classes they don't do live instructor sessions which i swear is like a good half of the USP of Peloton is having the instructor say, hey, Trisha in Calgary, you keep pushing it, or whatever <laughs> they're called or wherever they're from. You know, that's, oh, yes. that's part of the appeal, right? That's why people like Peloton. They like that kind of almost in the class feeling. So I think perhaps when those live classes are kind of integrated in, so you have both the camera scrutinizing you and the trainer kind of watching everyone, that right, might right. make it a little bit more compelling.
1: More peloton yeah, but um, yeah, I will. I I plan on on taking this for a like a ride, oh, ride so called. Uh, but like testing it out again, something like the tempo, and then also talking to like I see a sports therapist or like a chiropractor for my form and like physical recovery and and from from working out and fitness stuff. So I'd love to see their take on it, right? Like a, a, a professional's take on what the guidance being dispensed is here. But I do have two important questions for you, uh, Matt. One. What is the price of this thing? Because Peloton things, as we all know, are very expensive. And two, what is the privacy situation like? Do they make any promises as to whether your your you know image is being captured and stored on servers somewhere? Is this like a live stream? Like what's happening there?
0: Yeah. So to 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 talk like a PR representative, those are two excellent questions, (laughs) Shirley. Uh, price wise, it's actually cheaper than they say it was going to be. So it was originally going to be over, I think, four hundred. I think like when it was first revealed. Let me double check. I think the price they outlaid was like four. 49- I thought it was four ninety nine. Four hundred and ninety yeah, five dollars. This smart camera was meant to be. Now it's a little bit more sensible, but not cheap. Uh, Two hundred and ninety five dollars uh, in the US.
1: Almost um, half. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. Sure yeah.
0: That. But well, there's almost. also a new, expensive, all-inclusive monthly subscription that goes with it. Oh, so at the introductory rate, that's $24 a month, which makes Twitter Boo look like a
1: bargain. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, we're going to do an Engadget podcast episode specifically dedicated to how much I hate subscription service things moving forward. Like just yeah. everything is a subscription now with hardware. It's, anyway, and a it's
0: always the borderline too much. Like I don't understand yeah. why there aren't more things like yeah, the aura Ring that are yeah. sub $5. Yes. Uh, yes, the Aura Ring is a good one. We should definitely... Get into that at some point. We should talk about Um, that Monday. But that's just the introductory rate. So it will go up to $39. I think that's starting next year. Um and that's just a lot of money. That's like gym or you Mm. know, that touches on gym subscription fees.
1: That's the Peloton model, right? That's the dumbass it's not I don't know if it's dumb, but it's that's how they make their money, is to like sell these services and lock you in forever.
0: I mean, countering that, Peloton's digital only subscription, so the without the bike setting So the one you just need your iPhone for, that is twelve dollars per month, which is right, totally that, yeah. fine, fine, sensible, adequate it's pricing.
1: Still a little bit that's... more expensive than some others, but yeah, sure. Sure,
0: but I feel like the the premium of Peloton kind of warrants it, or at least is more explained by it. um And on that privacy note, before I forget about that, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. lots of lots of different bits and pieces to the privacy thing. It has the kind of standard easy. <laughs> easy to fix thing of you can cover there's a lens cover for the camera, so you can slide that across if you want to there are also switches on the back to switch on and off the mic and now the guide not only you know obviously um you want to be able to hear things and all of it. But there's also a voice assistant built in, like kind of rudimentary Peloton voice assistant to say, hey, Peloton, cancel class. Hey, Peloton, skip ahead. That kind of stuff. You can also adjust volume, I think. Uh, the voice coach wasn't great, but I think I was using an early beta. It wasn't very good at picking up my voice. Maybe because I'm English. Maybe because I was too out of breath. I don't know. But for whatever the reason, it, I just was shouting at the TV, <gasps> Peloton, oh stop God, class.
1: Yeah. Please stop the play. I can't do any more. Peloton, crying, call
0: ambulance. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, so privacy-wise, yeah, you you have these manual physical controls which kind of allay you a little bit in that you're completely shuttering off. Now, when it comes to kind of the guide and how it's integrating what that camera is looking at during your class. It's all the processing is done on device. So there's nothing sent to the cloud for processing and sent to the cloud for processing and back down. It's all done on device, which is good. Although, and I read this in a Wired story, a kind of deep dive into how they made the guide. There is a part in the T's and C's about how uh, Peloton does have a caveat about uh, future utilization of like face ID and stuff like that, which again could be as innocuous as having multiple users in the same house and identifying them. This is a thing that, Connect and even playstation did so xbox and playstation did this like years ago um so that that would be sensible but again is that going up to the cloud what are the rep- repercussions here also it's just a image sensor um there's no kind of complicated 3d data here so it's not the most right,
1: secure right. way
0: of identifying a person but again, you know what damage can you do with your with a face on peloton not much but yeah it's still a you know i think it's a fair privacy concern
1: yeah, there's things to, to think about, yeah.
0: And then when it comes, my question, when they were explaining the kind of privacy, you know, the mm-hmm. privacy T's and C's was like, well, how are you going to improve and kind of fix or upgrade and evolve all of this? And mm-hmm. they said they have they have like a, you know, they have a like a, a gang of beta testers that are kind of willingly signed up to kind of share their data. And they said that in the future, they might consider doing what nearly all the voice assistants do, saying, are you happy to send your data off to a de- the developers for improvement, anonymized kind of thing so you know as it is here that's the state of privacy on this device but that could change in either direction
1: yeah as with anything that has cameras that that's that's always the question we kind of have to ask um but that's good to know i will be you know like i said uh testing out the peloton guide um so stay tuned for that as well but yeah matt I, i can't wait to have you and i work out remotely together again this is like our, our thing now man are the like in gadget fitness uh remotely fitness buddies sort of
0: yeah and yet neither of us are in any state to claim any kind of expertise but that makes it so compelling <sighs> we're just yeah, like you
1: maybe yeah yeah, exactly. Well, I like to call myself uh, some kind of expert. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm literally not. But okay. So so yeah. Go check out uh, Matt's full hands on for all the details on Engage.com. But this week also there was um, some other news that we we I felt like we needed to bring up. Um, Microsoft dropped a bunch of Windows 11 news on us in the middle of the week. For one thing, Windows 11 is getting a redesigned cloud based file explorer and the redesign will bring things like tabs to file explorer and your the ability to pin your favorite files and folders so they're within easy reach um i don't know if there's a lot of pc fans who've been waiting for that but i know that the tabs thing is something that people have at least suspected if not like have been clamoring for um matt i don't know if you're a mac or a pc i think you're an apple Yeah, I mostly work on a
0: Mac, yeah. But this seems like a very no-brain, relevancy, computer, PC, computing, cloud. This is just a thing that had to happen. I think it's a bit late, to be honest. Um,
1: I know. I like like File Explorer a lot. I'm a PC person. And anytime I have to switch over to a Mac to use Finder, I'm like, there's parts of Finder that work really well. The previewing works great. But then, like, God, just exploring. Exploring. Finder. Trying to look for something on Finder is, is difficult for me. Um, but yeah, that's not the only change that Windows 11 is, is coming with. There is also improvements system-wide to video calling um, and live caption, which the company announced earlier this year in February, will allow for transcribing of audio playing anywhere on your PC. Um, so that's good. It's basically adopting what Google's doing with Chrome, bringing it to you know local files that you play back from, say, File Explorer or Windows Media Player as well.
0: Sheldon, is so this right? Great. This is all kind of bundled together as a kind of future of hybrid work plus yes. Microsoft plus Windows kind of thing, right?
1: Yes exactly so microsoft didn't like do a huge event or anything this was really like a set of press releases that i guess panos put his name on and then they released it um so yeah there's there's you know i think it's it's not a big enough set of changes that they had to do an event for it but they did have like a meaty bunch of updates they wanted to announce and that's what happened um there's some security improvements also coming with Windows 11. Um, specifically, there's some uh, smart app updates where they'll make only like, trusted apps run on the PC. So they're basically doing the thing where they're locking out untrusted apps or, or things that did pass a verification process, I, I guess. Um, and then some like IT administration things. So uh, there's a couple of articles on Engadget.com. You can also read them to get fully caught up. So there there's been a lot of other news too we uh missed last week's episode so I wanted to kind of do a quick recap of of what we wanted to discuss last week which is uh April Fools happened last week and Dyson <laughs> released a new its first wearable called the Zone and uh, because of the timing it was so close to April Fools that uh, everyone basically thought it was a fake or a joke right and no the Dyson Zone is a real thing I did try it out and it's this headphones and mask combo that looks kind of atrocious but basically is supposed to push like filtered air to your face and while you're out and about i know matt we had thoughts about this Do you have any like additional thoughts to share or any like hot takes right now
0: yeah i think i've forgotten half <laughs> my thoughts um i mean the cool the, the things from what we've t- From the chat we've had before about this, like the cool things I recall is that Dyson was Dyson started making this before COVID was even a thing, like before it was even a headline, before it was just a thing on cruise ships that we didn't have to worry about. Um, So, yeah, this is aimed not necessarily at that kind of that level of kind of fastidious care and kind of uh, in the health perspective, although it is aimed at air pollution. That seems to be the best bet guessing where all this air filtration comes into it so the idea is it kind of pulls in the air gets rid of the ick and then pushes it into your face more like your nose and your mouth where you're going to breathe and kind of take it into your system
1: Yes. Um, the, the tweets I got in response to, to this story were, were pretty uh, illuminating for me because there were things I didn't think about. For example, uh, one of, a lot of people were like calling it the snot nozzle, where like if you sneeze into the mask, they assume it would blow right back into your face, where I'm like, "Then maybe how don't sneeze w- into." How the powerful mask.
0: would that have to be for it to push it back at you?
1: Yeah. And I also have never felt comfortable sneezing with like a thing around my face. I don't know, like unless it's like a a fabric mask, which is a different thing altogether. But I don't know. Um, But I guess it's a valid concern for some people. And then like you said, Matt, this is definitely not for COVID germs or something that the dual layer filter system here takes out things like um, nitrogen dioxide, um, ozone, that sort of stuff that would you know also be bad for you to breathe in. But you know, never has Dyson's you know claimed that this is to protect you against COVID nineteen or any other you know disease. So do with that what you will. Just don't assume this is going to protect you from. Getting I mean, sick, right. To
0: make it timely in this week, you have seen. Have you seen that news story about microplastics being found in the human lungs? Yes, time? in
1: people's lungs. Yeah. Yeah. Some version of that for a while. That's
0: yeah. yeah so that's absolutely horrifying. But
1: this could help. I don't know. Maybe. Actually, I don't know. I don't know because no, the two, it, the microplastics. Filters, the though, say. Yeah. yeah,
0: microplastics should be the mesh on these kind Trapped of filters. Should, yeah, they should be able to trap microplastics. So there's a benefit. Right, right. You know.
1: Yeah, if you won't breathe in micro cool anyway. Hey, uh, speaking of stories from last week, Matt, you also reviewed the OnePlus 10 Pro for us last week.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I would love your one sentence take.
0: Good, not good enough.
1: Four words.
0: Yeah. This is the almost haiku level there. Yeah, this is their latest flagship phone, but it's cheaper than last year's and it's about the same. So if that sounds good to you, then fair enough. Um, I was just kind of a bit disappointed. The cameras haven't really evolved much. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had like issues with the telephoto camera last year. So this year, same old problems. I like the redesign. It feels a little bit different. It feels like a OnePlus flagship, at least aesthetically. Um, I got it in the forest green color, which is very cool. It has this kind of frosty finish that makes it feel almost like iPhone level premium, which I love. Lovely big gorgeous screen, but the same lovely big gorgeous screen pretty much we got last year in the Pro 9. So yeah, it's just a little bit disappointing. Like not bad not a bad phone, but I don't yeah. know. Un- we're here to be critical, unfortunately.
1: I mean not not unnecessarily critical, not unnecessarily, right? I of think course. it's yeah, exactly. And I think that like if you've been a OnePlus fan since their birth, you might at a, like at this point, you might not recognize the company anymore, right? From what it was way back when. Uh, Sam Rutherford at Engadget also wrote up a quick rant about um, OnePlus, how OnePlus, as we knew it, is dead, right? And and where the company is headed uh, for the future. Does it really just want to take on the likes of Samsung and Apple? Is it still trying to disrupt that mid range market? Is we it don't know. really?
0: Is it just really a sub brand of Oppo anyway? So it doesn't really matter, and who actually really cares? And and you know, fanboys over a company anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're out there listening or watching and you're a big OnePlus fan from the beginning and you're dismayed or you actually like where they're going now, you let us know. Uh, as always, you can email us at podcastinggadget.com.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing with OnePlus and like them, you know, changing tech which has happened gradually, but on the same yes. trajectory for the last five years, to be honest, is that, yes. um, you know, great phones have got cheaper. Like all the phones have got so much better and now at the cutting edge, very top, you know, one thousand dollar phone price it's got a lot harder now to improve in tangible ways also ways in which us as tech journalists can recommend devices to people sometimes your phone from last year is perfectly fine and it would be wasteful in so many ways to buy this new phone
1: I know I know I look I'm rooting for OnePlus. let's see uh, if they're going to do anything different next year but that was our quick recap of news from last week that we really wanted to talk to you all about this week slight slight recap from last week too. Microsoft built uh, you know Microsoft announced the dates for its build developer conference as well as uh, this week Apple announced the dates for WWDC for build that would be May 24th to 26th uh, WWDC will kick off uh, on June 6th uh, and and wrap on june 10th as well so that's you know what we've got look to look forward to y'all know that you can come to Engadget.com for the coverage um speaking of wwdc there's there was some other apple news this week uh incremental things like fitness plus got new um workouts for people who just had a baby um, of course, you should not feel pressured to get into any sort of shape, so-called, uh, after you have a kid uh, in, in any pace other than what's comfortable for you. But fitness, Apple wants to be there for you if you want to like get back to moving around.
0: About the Fitness Plus, um, what I thought was pretty cool is like they've been using that trainer. What, like she was doing like prenatal exercises classes as well, if I recall. Or like she was yes. uh, moderating for a gentler workout while she was pregnant. So it's kind of cool. They've come full circle with the same trailer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. We had like a little briefing call where she like explained. And so, yes. Yeah, so, so now she's the one leading it. So she, she definitely has the experience of, you know, knowing what it's like to be a new parent, although she's, she may be more primed to, you know, so-called get back to fitness, which is the title of the series. Um, but anyway, oh, you mean because it's her job, yeah? <laughs> right, like you, right, exactly. Like she, she's more accustomed to moving and and, and you know being fit, I guess, or, or very active. Um, another piece of incremental news for Apple is that uh, Hulu now supports SharePlay, which is great. Um, I like SharePlay. I would love for to see more apps support it. But there is something that was a little bit concerning. And this is like part of a larger um, ongoing issue that Apple has been dealing with, which is air tag stalking and I think this week we saw uh, a a news break that police reports seem to suggest like there's a larger pattern of air tag stalking it's not just like a one off or two off according to um, some reports uh, and some police data it looks like 50 women in 8 different jurisdictions have reported or called the cops after discovering there's an air tag on them so cool this is kind of disturbing. It's more widespread than we thought, right?
0: I mean, this is as wide. I don't want to say I like predict it would be widespread, but these are very cheap devices that are very effective at tracking things. Um, also, like, I don't, you know, I never really like to be the person to step in and defend Apple, but I wonder how many of these myriad other tracking devices Tile has made yes. millions of them have been oh, used yeah. in similar circumstances for similar terrible aims. Um, the pro- This is the curse of Apple being Apple. It's, the mo- it's the, You know, it's the most iconic tech company of the moment, which means if you make a device and yours blows up, breaks, or does something nefarious, sure. you're yeah, to blame yeah. for it.
1: You bring up a very good point, right? Because Apple is one of those, like tag makers or like you know location tracker makers that actually is very transparent uh, it has actually the um, no, in place that will alert you <laughs> no by, by that yeah. i mean that like it actually will alert someone when an unknown or unassociated tag has been following them like i don't think tile has something like that built in i don't think like a samsung galaxy tag i mean samsung has said it has certain features like that but like how comprehensive how effective are those and yes maybe fewer people buy galaxy tags maybe fewer people are actually using tiles just to track their possessions but I'm curious now to see, like, how many, you know, tiles from the early days, right, before, like, all of this awareness around this issue, how many of those may have been used to, to stalk other people or, or just used nefariously at all, right, Matt? Like, do we hear anything about that?
0: Well, you might remember the, no, you remember not too long ago, the story, there was a model who, had, uh, Brooke Nader and uh she she like uh, she i think she put like an instagram story on or something about okay uh,
1: tracking yeah yeah
0: yeah and so like apple kind of had to respond to that and so they've kind of they've i'm sure they've sped up their process for all these things and there's meant still meant to be an incoming update for the more later iPhones i think iphone 11 and above to kind of help you more finely fine grain track and find these unwanted trackers and things like that um which probably uses their uh, there's a word for it, W1 chip, I think, or what do you call the it? The ultra-white band thing? Ultra-white band, the, yeah. U- ultra-white band, band, band yeah. yeah. So it kind of mm-hmm. utilizes that to better find these things. Gotcha. But yeah, like I think Tile and I think even Samsung have announced they're, they're looking to kind of make sure their trackers can't be used in nefarious ways. Uh, but again, it, it's kind of indicative that the two of us on this podcast can't quite recall their policy, but Apple's, Before, we know. Yeah. We recall when a model w- was affected by an no,
1: Apple I I actually, remember when <laughs> Apple announced the AirTags? They were like, "No, to prevent unwanted stalking. Here's the different ways." They did think about it from the it. outset. They, that's true.
0: They did announce it from right. the outset that these kind of things. Yeah, but they've also, they just didn't
1: have the most comprehensive, right?
0: But they've also expanded to, to the to their credit. Again, what's what's happening to me? To their credit, they have kind of expanded and kind of elaborated on these features, which
1: right. they have to.
0: This is this is kind of crucial stuff. This is kind of tech yeah. being used badly.
1: Yeah. Exactly, Um, exactly. Like, this goes to the whole philosophy of, like, when you make something and people can use it for something bad or nefarious, you have to think about how to safeguard against that. So anyway, this is something to just keep an eye out on and that we are keeping an an eye on and, you know... we want to see Apple do something about it. Um, In something a little uh, more heartwarming, I guess, uh, Snapchat released a new lens that will help people learn the ASL or American Sign Language alphabet. Um, Before, Snapchat did have a lens that sort of taught you some of the, like, more rudimentary um, symbols uh, in ASL, Uh, but this one will let you learn how to sign the letters A through Z, so... That's cool. and then something I thought was fun slash funny slash interesting is rocket lab will uh, rocket lab rocket maker rocket lab I guess. Um, we'll try to snatch a rocket out of midair with a helicopter. I I, I want to see the movie made out of this. Uh, sounds
0: like time, so. um, like a magician's stunt or something, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I know uh, it's it's part of it's part of a plan to sort of like make reusable orbital launch vehicles. So like, if it's coming back and you like want to actually reuse it, you kind of have to save it before it crashes, I guess. So uh, we shall see. Matt, you had something you wanted to talk about?
0: Yeah. So this is something that popped up yesterday. This is comes from uh, Open AI. They've announced like their second g- generation Dall E. Now that's a lovely kind of portmanteau-ish thing on Salvador Dali, the kind of the crazy artist, and Wally, the lovable Pixar robot. And this is like their AI image-creating generative thing. It's very hard to explain in normal words. It's a multi <laughs> multimodal AI. And the idea is, you might recall about, I think, yeah, last year, maybe at the start of last year, um, they introduced the first-generation version where people were able to kind of type a sentence like cat... In the middle of a room, staring at a tree, and then the AI was able to sketch and kind of represent that description in that. visual yeah. form. Now they've kind of upgraded it, and some of the things you've got to go check it out. It has its own um, Instagram feed. I'm trying to find. I a saw link to the it now. I saw
1: the article, so I saw the, like the main image on the article, and I thought it was cute. It was the really cute little little mice, impressive or micey bears. Oh, well, yeah, and then, yeah. And then the but then mice, they also have you know yeah. I get triggered. <laughs>
0: And uh, and they have these like one of the kind of instructions to the AI was monster soup, and it's create, created these awesomely ferocious like literally monsters that are soup images that are almost photorealistic, like incredibly detailed, incredibly imaginative, and just very just impressive reproductions from an AI that kind of from the from the examples we've seen so far. Oh, like, there's mice. I, Yeah, they are mice. I like artistically high quality, like a very weird mix of like student art project and 3D rendering or something. Um, So there's lots of things this does that the last one couldn't. Um, It's just far more detailed. You're actually able to kind of take what OpenAI's Dali makes and then edit it down a bit more. So you could kind of smush together two images. You could select like specific parts of an image or remove elements like a shadow or an item. And just generally, instead of like, I think the old pictures are about two hundred and fifty-six pixels squared. These ones are a thousand twenty-four. So you've got four times the canvas. So obviously the detail has gone up, and just they don't look as warped and bizarre as the first generation AI. Um, and yeah, hopefully they're opening up to like more and more developers and people to use. So know, I've added myself. I've added it. my yeah I've added myself to the wait list. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm just kind of fascinated we'll to kind of play around with it because yes, it's fascinating stuff
1: if you want to see the pictures you can on engadget.com uh and i think that's kind of that's kind of a lot of news already so we we those were all the fun things that popped for us and that we wanted to share with you all on this episode what let's move on to what we're working on uh let's start with you matt it looks like you're doing some fun stuff
0: yeah, yeah. So I'm still uh, I'm still testing out uh, massage therapy guns and other kind of uh, fitness mm-hmm. gadgets for recovery. So I have these amazing. They're called Air Recover sleeves, but they're yeah. trousers and they're inflatable trousers. So you know, you imagine those uh, heart pressure measuring cuffs. Yes. you put on your arm. It's blood like pressure that. cuffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these just go all the way down your legs, and they inflate <sighs> and they gradually massage your feet, your calves, your knees, and your thighs, and then just Gosh. kind of. Just uh, They do a so cycle again and again, and it's wonderful. You're
1: basically getting massages for work, Matt, is that for what you're telling work. me?
0: For work, for science, you, for journalism.
1: For how sacrificial of you. I know, Gosh, right? I,
0: and I, that, that dovetails you know. neatly into my second project, which is <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm actually helping the team uh, test out air fryers, which I am very new to. So if there are amazing recipes, please share them in the YouTube chat or just email me. Um, i'm matt in gadget.com like mm-hmm. excellent air fryer recipes yes please i'm going to get a kind of basic entry model entry level okay air fryer and just fry so, things okay. again for science for journalism for,
1: for work wow for work. okay for money eating, for cash money. having massages and eating air fried food i wow i mean i'm doing something wrong you're doing something right and uh, that's what i've always said I, I i i'm so grateful for your sacrifice i really you know man you're welcome
0: uh, you're welcome
1: the world work. <laughs> meantime i am working on actual work i'm kidding <laughs> i am testing out some devices that i uh at the moment i don't believe i can talk about it is not dyson zone level of fascination but it is something that's new um with sam rutherford having joined the team i i you know can actually expand sort of what i i work on so i'm not these things i would say are not like your typical phone tablet laptop type of devices you'll see you'll see me dip more into like um, other things. I've been oh, also trying. out... I know what it is. Go ahead.
0: I don't want to say, but I yes, know what it we is. We can talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah we can talk about. It. It's good, talk guys. Oh, it's good. It's it, good. It's it's,
1: it's it's gonna be interesting. Yes. Um. The uh. You know. Otherwise, I've also been testing out, like, uh, for example, a non-mainstream device. I've been testing out the OrCam My Eye Pro. This is a like a uh, reading device for people who have visual impairments, and and that's kind of why I think vision impairment is top of my mind right now because. You know, it's this little clip-on barrel that you can add to any like eyepiece or eyewear. It also comes, the box comes with a, a pair of uh, glasses that you can clip onto the arm. Very lightweight, very And then you can just point at things and the camera will see where you're pointing at and kind of like tell you what it's looking at or what you are pointing at. So um, to me, there's like room for improvement here. And But what I'm going to do right now is you know try to get feedback like see if people who are visually impaired have any other specific concerns that i should be testing out on this thing so hey if you're out there and you there's something you want me to test with something like some device like this let me know so that i can check it out um you know matt and i aren't the only people at engadget there's been other things going up too for example steve dent uh reviewed the nikon or nikon i guess z9 uh, this is like the an 8k video recording camera. It's what forty-five-ish megapixels and it's it has beast. no mechanical shutter. This is a mirrorless uh camera with no mechanical shutter, which allows it to avoid things like jelly roll um uh artifacting. So if you're a big camera fan, check it out. Uh, Matt, was there anyone else's work that you wanted to shout out? Or was no, Steve the only worthwhile no. person on the team this week? Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. Can you imagine?
1: <laughs> he was the only one pulling
0: his weight this week. Something that happened last week, actually. And we did a we yeah. did a little quick Twitter Spaces chat. So this is why a lot of this is kind yes. of still in our mind. Was um, uh, editor at large, James True, wrote about the Jackrabbit. Yes. This is
1: oh a gosh. really
0: weird, uh, yes. bizarre, half bike, half-e-bike, half half-e-scooter thing um yes yes. i'm just throwing it into the back channels so people can know what to look at um yeah so it's a bike without pedals so it's completely electric and you just kind of stand on it and so because there's no pedals the kind of the whole anatomy of the bike is just shrunkier and james isn't like a small guy so it just looks like he's riding a children's bike around (laughs) valencia in spain so that's funny in its own right but you know he actually does a proper review on the bike as well but it's mostly just to laugh at him on the bike
1: it's it's adorable that video is amazing i watched it and you know i personally know james like we all know james right and so i think that added to the like our fondness for this video um but i I would have uh would recommend everyone check it out to 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 see i mean like
0: it's also interesting (laughs) just to see different e-bikes and different form factors like if it's an e-bike you don't need pedals pedals that's totally true and also a, a bike is more comfortable than a scooter it kind of fulfills a lot of rolls but in one.
1: My favorite scene is the scene where uh he goes okay well even though there's like you know a motor- like electricity gets you up most of the like difficult parts right but then he, like there's a scene where he's like trying to go up a slope and then the like the 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 e-bike just kind of can't make it all the way up because it's going it's not got the power to go all the way up, right? So he like has to finish off the last few steps on his own. He's already like on a, what looks like an undersized bike. And then towards the end, he has to like use his feet to kind of get himself all the way up the last few like- And
0: probably all he's had to eat that day is like three huffs of vape. So it's probably just, (laughs) it's probably just all the struggle bus for him.
1: It's it's a great video. Yeah, we both love it. And and if you can go check it out on the Engadget YouTube channel. Um, what else should people watch, I guess, to to chill out to, Matt? What would you recommend people? Oh,
0: so we're we going into watch? our kind of culture, culture selects Yeah, now.
1: Engadget, pop culture picks.
0: Yes, so um, there's this great Netflix show that's actually a few years old, to be honest. Actually, it's been running for decades in Japan. So in Netflix in Netflix zone, they call it Get Old Enough. And then I think the, the original name is Hajimete no Aww. Otsukai, which means like uh, kids first errands or kids first chores kind of thing so the idea is they give these under five kids like kind of parochial but kind of high stakes chores like go to the shop and buy mom some milk or collect the new watch with its battery repaired for your father and they just send these kids out into like cities and across roads to get these things followed by a huge camera crew and so they have this huge production staff of about 20 people who are just constantly lingering around the kids so he's never in any danger or he or she's never in any danger and they're just constantly monitoring with these hilariously poorly disguised giant cameras (laughs) like wrapped in fabric and the kids some of the kids even spot that it's a camera crew or it's like that that's a camera. <gasps> and there's another one's got a camera. And they're like, excuse me, why have you got a camera? are like, oh, we're uh, measuring the electricity or something like that. And then they go, oh, okay, because <laughs> they're only, you know, they're, they're only three years old or something. Oh my God. And there's, so, like, you know, they're adorable little kids, adorable little Japanese oh. kids who are crying or are upset or, you know, <laughs> overcoming insurmountable odds of co- crossing the street without their older brother. And it's it's very like in the vein of like British Bake Off or uh, Terrace House style, soft gentle, you know,
1: I, I, self-care, I this. self-care yeah, care oh viewing.
0: Yeah, it's right. really Yeah, except for, it's really nice. except for
1: without the food, right? Like without, like, I w- can't watch any food show because it gets me so hungry. I'm always like having to snack <laughs> yeah. a lot when I'm watching any of that, right? But this, this I could see myself like watching and like enjoy, because I love, I think people who listen to this podcast know that I love baby content and I follow babies on social media. That sounds so weird, but I follow like mummies, right? Who share pictures and videos of it. And this like is... This seems right up my alley. Oh, my gosh. I'm so checking this out. It's It's on Netflix, you said, Matt?
0: Yeah, all on Netflix. I think there's about 12 episodes. Um, But yeah, like this show is like an institution in Japan. So I think this might even be on, like, maybe not NHK, but one of the major channels. And normally, like, each kid episode is about an hour long because they often... Again, classics of like differences in culture, but they normally pan to a studio who reacts to the kids.
1: You oh, know, ups yeah, yeah, yeah. and downs. Like and a stuff. variety just, show, yeah, right. and they
0: really, they really just kind of stretch it out forever. I think, but yeah, this is a far more digestible format for it.
1: I love it. Well, uh, that was a great recommendation. Meanwhile, if you want to just have your mind blown by con artists. Uh, <laughs> I have been watching uh, We Crashed on Apple TV. Uh, and then, you know, obviously that sends me down the rabbit hole of like just keeping, like just consuming everything related to the WeWork story. Um, so yeah, for, you know, the short stories that We Crashed is about, it stars Jared Leto Lito, um, and Anne Hathaway um, as the pair of founders of WeWork. Um, and I say pair of founders but the definition of whether Anne Hathaway's character Rebecca Newman is a, a co-founder is kind of iffy but um yeah no it's it's pretty incredible and I I found myself not sure whether I liked the portrayal of these characters um I think when Anne Hathaway who's one of the producers uh, talked about how she wanted to portray these uh this couple, um, she was like, "Oh, we wanted to show kind of the human side, the, the you know, not the side that the media just portrays." And I was just, I don't know if you've seen this show at all, Matt, but like, okay, so Anne Hathaway has to like deepen her her voice as a way to like match the real character's actual voice, similar to how in the Dropout Amanda Ifried or uh, you know, deepens her voice in the Theranos way as well. But um, it's off putting to me. It really takes me out of it. But then like you and then I do the thing where I watch the videos with Rebecca Newman herself, and I'm like, oh, her voice really is that low. Anyway, this is, you know, in case you didn't know what happened, WeWork just, um, we all know WeWork, I think, right? But we didn't, I didn't know at least before being in media that like, how how much of it was just like consuming money and expanding and growing at all costs without actually turning in um, profit. And then at some point, you know, as a lot of these stories go, the founders just get so greedy or they get so, you know, blinded by their their hunger to grow even faster that they just resort to fraud. They resort to juicing their numbers or just straight up lying about the money they're making. And at the heart of this, I feel like, and I feel like this character is the heart of the show, is Anne Hathaway's Rebecca Newman. Um, she's this like, so <laughs> Rebecca Newman, uh, formerly known or her like maiden name is actually Rebecca Paltrow, hey. as in a first cousin to Gwyneth of Paltrow. Course. So. Her whole thing is like she she's very goopy, right? She like <laughs> like she 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 uh once like she was like a yoga she went to like she wanted to be an actress and then she uh didn't really do very well at that so she went to study under I think the Dalai Lama um and and wanted to like and te- started teaching yoga at some point but then like met um the Wow, I remember her name and I don't remember her husband's. So I think that's great. Um her 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 now husband uh and then he sort of like opened her eyes as to what else she can do so she starts inserting herself in WeWork's business. She's actually responsible for their brand or their tagline which is elevating the world's consciousness. It's just it's just incredible. I think I didn't know that like WeWork had this whole side of it that was trying to be so spiritual and i think that was what was very fascinating so matt have i made you want to watch this show
0: i mean i no but you've made me read uh rebecca neumann's um wikipedia page in 2015 <laughs> her it. father robert paltrow was sentenced in federal court to six months in yes. prison one year supervised mm-hmm. and a fine of fifty thousand dollars after being convicted of falsifying his income tax returns mm-hmm. so there this, you that family uh, is very interesting context, right yeah and then yes.
1: When they started, we grow. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, who, by the way, wanted nothing to do with this show, has 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 I don't believe officially commented uh, on this show. Um, you know, did an interview with Rebecca Newman on a group like a Goop uh, podcast or something like that, and talking about how they see education and that sort of stuff. So I just think this is like. You know, after watching Inventing Anna and the Tinder Swindler, now I'm on We Crashed. Oh God, you uh, watch anything? I'm all caught up on We Crashed. I know, right? The uh, you know what I've been watching more recently, and I'll probably talk about this some other time. is the Dropout on Hulu. So I, I'm really watching how these like people con themselves or con other people, and you know, maybe there's what, a What twist you learning? My yeah, journey. wait, yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say are
0: you, are you learning lessons. That sounds Looking sinister. Up life Listen, yes, Matt, sinister. I'm just A-F. going to
1: school. Is I'm that even...
0: Is even your name?
1: I, uh... uh hmm, debatable. I want to consciously uncouple from this narrative. Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Matt online at
0: me you can find me online at that matt smith that's matt with one t uh you can find me on instagram if you take away all the vowels out of that but it's too hard to kind of say on a podcast and yet otherwise you can uh, find me on engadget.com and don't forget to subscribe or listen to the morning edition that's my morning newsy podcast you probably hear an intro or an outro to it on this very podcast but please listen please feedback thank you good night
1: If you have any wild stories of true life con artists, you can send them to me. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts.